From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. And today we'll be learning from our investment advisor representatives, Adam Morse and Janet Griffith. And today's topic is based on an article written by a one David Booth. And he writes an article uh, answering 10 common qualms that people have with investing in the market in the first place. There are a lot of people who don't see the point of investing. They see it as just a simple gamble or just for the birds, just a quick way to lose money. And David Booth responds to uh, 10 of these arguments against investing. So I thought it might be fun if our very own investment advisor representatives, Adam Morse and Janet Griffith, provided their own retort to these common reservations toward investing. And we had a lot of fun, trust me. It's a great episode. I learned a lot and I'm sure you will too. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Keep it simple each and every week. You can email us with an episode topic at podcast at assetbuilder.com. And of course, you can check out the show notes for every episode at assetbuilder.com slash podcast. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get to the show. Uh, so how are you guys doing today, Mr. Adam, Miss Janet? I'm doing great. Loving this awesome. weather. I've missed you guys the last few weeks. It's good to be back. <laughs> I'll be glad when we uh, will start doing this back in the office, though. Looking forward to today. What do you got for us, Jared? So today we're going to talk about, um, I say 10, but it may not be 10, but 10 reservations uh, about investing that there's a lot of reasons that people um, don't get in the stock market from everything from I don't understand to, you know, I feel like it's a gamble, what have you. So David Booth uh, took it upon himself to respond to uh, really common reservations uh, about investing, reasons people don't want to invest. And so I thought that it'd be fun for uh, Adam and Janet to respond to these uh, reservations as well. So. Um, I was going to let Adam provide just a little background on who David Booth is and the connection to Asset Builder and, and what other other information you want to provide. Sure. So David Booth um, founded Dimensional Fund Advisors um, in the early 90s. Um, they're headquartered in Austin, Texas, and of course now they have offices all over the world. Um, they're one of the biggest fund companies in the world, um, and, and they happen to be the funds that we use um, in large part to build some of our allocations and our portfolios for our clients. Um, now, to be clear, there's a lot of good index fund companies out there, uh, but DFA is unique in the investment world. And a lot of the, the ways that they approach fund management and fund creation, um, kind of their, their, their approach is extremely academic and extremely research-based. Um, and they were kind of the first, so the, the thing that put them on the map in the early 90s, they were the first uh, index fund for small cap companies. And that was kind of, at the time, with transaction costs and the way that brokerages were set up back then, uh, folks thought it was impossible. They thought it was impossible to have uh, an efficient index fund in the small cap space just based on the nature of small cap stocks. So that's what put them on the map, and they've been very successful Um in, in the space, in the fund company space, they're, I want to say like, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong, maybe the fifth or sixth biggest fund company in the world. And David Booth is the founder. So um, obviously he has a lot of, um, when he talks, people tend to listen as they should. And 
Um, so he wrote this article and we're going to, we're going to kind of take some of the things that he, he discussed and, and some of the questions he took on, and we're going to see if we, we have a similar approach or not. So these will, these will feel a little bit elementary. Um, but I think that this is pretty valuable to like my dad would have found this awesome. So I sure. think people out there would find this very valuable. So Ms. Janet, I'm going to pitch the first one to you. Okay. This is uh, reservation number one, a reason I don't want to, a reason someone would not want to invest. Um, and I, I should also explain it this way too. This is stuff that DFA has heard over the years. So like these are common things they have okay. heard. Yeah. Um, so the first one is, I don't see the point of investing in the first place. Well, I would say it's a way to grow your money. Can we say compounding interest? When you realize how that works for you, you will invest and you will keep investing because you will see that it grows and then it grows on top of itself. So it's by far the simplest way to get your money working for it, growing for you. You can put it in the bank and leave it there, but as we've mentioned many times before on the podcast, that is a risk in of itself because you're not even keeping up with the rate of inflation by doing that. So you're losing money by leaving it setting in cash. So uh, investing is a very valuable tool for all of us. And we should be, should be doing that. Uh, if, if you put your money in the, in the stock market and index funds, if you're not picking a stock, then you're reducing your risk and it has proven time and time again over time that it will grow for you. If you are diversified and you have it in some good, solid mutual funds, you should be fine. Well, no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Janet, because – and you mentioned inflation, right? I mean I, I would – I would second that and say that's that's the and it's it's relevant now. I mean, I think anyone listening, we're probably all aware of, of inflation, the impact it's having. I know, you know, everyone's feeling it. My wife and I just this last week, we were looking at our gro- we have like a standard grocery order that we mm-hmm. put in every Sunday. It's it's largely like ninety five percent the same items every week, and that price has gone from like three thirty every Sunday to like four ten or something, and, and that's that's real money, right? Mm-hmm. Like you feel that, and so. The reason to invest, in my opinion, is to make sure that you don't lose purchasing power over time. Um, and that's all rooted on this concept of the time value of money, right? And I mean, it's, a, it's a complicated topic, and we won't dive into it here. But you know, when you sit for the CFA, there are volumes written on literally whole textbooks, multiple textbooks written on the time value of money. But in short, it's this concept that a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? Money today is worth more than money tomorrow. So for me to delay using this money today, I have to be incentivized to wait to use it until later. And in order for me to be incentivized, I need that to be more money later. And not just more money, but more purchasing power than it has today. So that's why we invest fundamentally, is to make sure that we keep up our our assets with purchasing power and make sure that we're not, you know, money we save today isn't cut in half 20 years from now when we may need it. And to take advantage of compound interest, uh, uh, David Booth had this really funny thing in his response where he says, uh, Albert Einstein considers compound interest the eighth wonder of the world. I mean, pretty- that's why we did an entire episode on it. Right. I couldn't agree more. Right. It's, it's mad that it, I mean, I, I would argue that's, 
that is the mechanism that allows you to not only beat inflation, but far outstrip inflation over time mm-hmm. is, is the, the fact that compound interest exists. All right. Number two, uh, on investing. So someone could say, I'm too late. The train has left the station. It's never too late. I mean, obviously, uh, if you're the the younger you get started, the more that compounding interest works for you over time. So, uh, I mean, we've talked about it many times in the past. Even if you're in your 20s and 30s, start now. Even if it's just $50 a week, $100 a week, start investing so that that will start working for you. And as you go through time and your your salaries uh, increase over time and you can start to add more and more to that, you won't regret, you will never regret that. Uh, obviously, if you're in your 50s and 60s, it's still not too late uh, to start investing. You've still got a good 20, 30 years of life left, and that's a good amount of time to see your money grow for you uh, in the markets. So I would say it's never too late. Yeah, Just and, get and even started. If you're, even if you're at that age, a, you know, if, if you have a decade, chances are money's going to grow and that's going to help you. Mm-hmm. But even if it doesn't help you, it'll help your estate, right? I mean, if you have right. any assets that unless you're, you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, but unless you're an individual that wants your last check to bounce, as my father-in-law is fond of saying, um, you're going to leave assets to your, your heirs, right? And investing mm-hmm. today is going to have massive impact. Mm-hmm. for them again because right. of compound interest so yeah don't be fooled it's never too late now no, based i on love that are, it, it should it should inform what your investments are and, and how you structure the investments from a risk standpoint maybe for getting started at 70 okay maybe we don't go into 100 percent equity portfolio um as maybe a 25 or 30 year old would but still get started i mean that's that's what we always say just get started I love that. Uh, You know, recently I have a client, he's in his 90s, very, very smart and uh, uh, very together. And he was in, I think it was a 60-40 allocation. And uh, he called a couple of weeks ago and wanted to increase his equity. And Mm. I was very hesitant because of his age. And then he said, but I will never use this money. And I just want to sell my fixed income and buy into the stock market right now for my heirs. So, yeah. So isn't that beautiful? He knows he's, he's seen how it works and he's doing it for the future of his, his family. And without putting himself at any risk really. Right. Right. Because the increased volatility doesn't pose much risk. I mean, he's, Mm -hmm. he's run the numbers and I'm sure we, we assisted in that process of ensuring Mm -hmm. that, you know, even if it is volatile, your your draw right. is at such a rate that you're never right. going to go through it. So right. it, it's a win-win. It's an absolute Absolutely. Win-win. That's a perfect example. All right, Adam, when it come, here's the third quote. The quote is, when it comes to investment advice, I don't know who to trust. Ooh. Yeah. So that's <laughs> a really good one and, and a common one. I think this is where understanding that we – we talk a ton about fees and costs when it comes to investments. Yeah. Um, and this is where doing your due diligence and how and we've talked a lot about how is this person compensated, right? Are their interests, are their incentives aligned with my incentives? Now, I think an easy way to kind of filter through a lot of that, right? Because 
it's not always easy to get to the bottom of what an investment costs, right? Or who's getting compensated if I invest in this, I take a little work. So I think a good starting point for anybody with that specific concern should just look for fiduciaries, mm-hmm. right? Because fiduciaries, if you're a fiduciary like we are, you automatically, you have a legal, and I would argue an ethical obligation to align your incentives with your client's incentives and to only make decisions with that in mind, right? So that's why we don't sell anything with commissions. We don't we don't make any money on trades or transactions. We only increase our revenue if our clients increase their assets. That is the only way it works. So I think that's an easy and quick kind of layer to kind of cut through a lot of the noise. Is and and to be clear, with fiduciaries, there's still different you know compensation um, methods and different fee structures, but that's kind of step one. You know, look for a fiduciary and then ask the right questions. Ask how much do the investments themselves cost? Who is compensated? Um, and how much am I paying? Is it a fee only? Is it um, um, is it a wrap fee? Are there 12B1 fees? So these are the types of questions to ask. Educate yourselves on what fees exist and then ask the right questions. Now, if you really wanted to be specific, you could always look at the ADB, right? An ADB mm-hmm. is a legal disclosure that any SEC regulated company must file and they must present on their website um, as we do on ours. You can pull it up and you must disclose exactly how you're compensated and what all your fees are and how they exist. So um, a lot of ways to get to the bottom of it, but I would just say step one, work with a fiduciary and that cuts out a lot of the noise and confusion right there. Janet, our next reservation, the quote is, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose it all. I mean, yeah, that's a real fear. And I, if you put all of it in one stock, it could very likely happen. Uh, but again, this is, you can get into the market, you can get into an index fund, a mutual fund that is not, you're not going to lose it all in the mutual fund world. Uh, I mean, there'll be times when, when the market goes down and, and you might have some short-term losses in that particular time period, but it may have already grown for you. So, so once that happens, it goes down and then it'll come back up in that, uh, phase when it's going back up, you will find that at the end of that growth period, you're going to be ahead of where you were when it went down. And that's how it goes up over time. Very simplified description, but, uh, but yeah, the, the ups generally went out over the downs and, and you're not going to lose it all. If you, if you invest wisely and try not to put it into one or two or three stocks, uh, if you want to do something like that, then take a portion uh, that it won't matter if you lose it and use that to pick stocks with. But, but yeah, if you're afraid of losing it, then mutual funds is the way to go. What did uh, David Booth say about that? He said, if you're lucky enough to live a long time, it's possible to face, it's possible to face market downturns. It's more likely to lose it all with concentrated investments than with a well-diversified portfolio. Basically what you guys said. Um, individual investments may go to zero, but the modern day market has been around for almost a century. It has an average annual return of 10% and has never lost more than 43% in a year. Yep. So the way I would contextualize that, now I want to be really, really clear. 
it is possible to run out of your money, even if you're invested, right? But what I will say is that there is never, I mean, Jenny, you said generally the upside. I would say not generally, like mathematically, factually, mm -hmm. if you're indexed, there is no way in which the market, based on history, based on statistics, there's never been a time in history where if you left your investments alone, meaning no money out, no money in, no selling, no buying, it wouldn't, there's never been a time where it would go to zero, ever. Mm -hmm. So what I would stress is if you lose it all, it's because you made, a, you made a mistake. There was a decision made that locked in those losses. Mm -hmm. And you did it repeatedly, right? Use that stat. Markets drop, what was it, 43%, biggest drop in history. So even if you sold at the absolute bottom, you still didn't even lose half. So you would have had to make multiple decisions at multiple horrible times to lose everything. Now, that is different from your, you know, you live to be 105 and you just, you're constantly, you know, you're using your money to live year to year and you just, you outlive your money. That is possible if markets don't perform strongly enough and there are ways to mitigate that risk. But just in terms of, I think the root of the fear you're speaking to is markets are gonna go to zero. Right. Never been a time in history where that's possible. So if you go to zero, that is a behavioral finance issue. That is not a market-related issue. There is no market threat of going to zero if you're sufficiently diversified. Good point. Yeah. I said, yeah, like I agree with you. Yeah, great point, me. Good <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, I want to deliver the next one. Um, if that's okay with you, Ms. Janet, unless you want to add any more to that. No, sounds good. Okay, Adam, I'll, I'll pitch this to you again. Um, I only want to invest in companies I'm familiar with. Oof. Then, you're, <laughs> th then you are eliminating the majority of the opportunity set to you. Um, there's no way that you're going to be able to be familiar with all of the opportunities that exist. Yep. There's just no way. I mean, unless it's your full-time job. and I mean, even then, there's thousands upon, on a global basis. You're never going to be aware of all the opportunities, uh, meaning you're not you're lowering your, your, your ceiling, right? Just fundamentally, you're increasing your risk and you're lowering your, your potential mm -hmm. ceiling on your investment. So um, <clears throat> I think if that's a filter that you want to use, okay. But I would argue perhaps broaden that scope a little bit to say market segments, um, asset classes, mm. um, you know, funds in general that you're familiar with. But I think to limit it to specific companies, you're, you're setting yourself up for too highly concentrated um, of, a, of a position in the market. And more importantly, you're just, you're, you're wiping out the opportunity set at such a massive rate that it's not going to be in your favor. Right. And rooted in the, in the understanding that you don't know what's going to happen. The odds I mean, are against you. you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 10 years from now, you have no idea which companies are going to hit and which aren't. So, you know, the ones that you're familiar with, maybe some of them hit, but you're, by definition, you're going to miss out on the majority of companies that do hit. That's the entire reason you index is you're ensuring that you have exposure to the companies that hit. And we know that over time, more companies hit than companies that don't. That's the whole idea. So Shannon, I'm going to give you the next one. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Okay. I don't, I'm hesitant to invest because I'm afraid that there's going to be another financial crisis. Well, there will be. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, but financial We've had financial crises in the past. Many, uh, 2008 was a financial crisis. Uh, and what happens? 
it ends. It will end eventually. And when it ends, the markets rebound. Uh, so that's another reason that we uh, preach and teach the, the buy and hold discipline strategy. Leave it alone. Don't panic. Don't get out because you don't know when it's going to come back. And you don't want to miss one day of the upswing. Uh, so... So, yes, there will be a financial crisis. We had one. The pandemic was a financial crisis. Uh, we're in a financial crisis right now with the war and with uh, inflation and interest rates. All of these things, I guess, could be considered a financial crisis uh, that we may look back on at some point in time and go, yeah, that was that was a difficult season to get through, but we but will see that that we will overcome it. So. Mm -hmm. Anything uh, to add on to that before I give you our last one for you to take us home? I mean, of course, I always have things to add. Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I think that ties in with what we were just talking about, right? I mean, <clears throat> yeah, there will be a financial crisis. I don't know when it will be. I don't know what will cause it. I don't know how long it will go. But I know there will be one. But that is not the risk. The risk is not there might be a financial crisis. The risk is you respond incorrectly. And so don't have a victim mindset. The, the world is not out to get you, right? Investments are not out to get you. Everyone investing wants good things to happen. So take ownership of your decisions. Take ownership of your behavior and your response. Uh, educate yourself so that you can start to ingrain the concepts that are rooted in data that prove there are better behavioral patterns than others. And then enact those patterns. So don't act in fear. Don't act in... Uh, you have control. <laughs> you have a lot more control than you realize hmm. when it comes to your investments. I don't even feel that way, but long-term, you have a lot more control than you think. And companies adjust during these financial crises, whatever the events are. Companies are adjusting quickly to, yeah. to maneuver themselves through that, which affects the stock market. I mean, David Booth and Dimensional stand on the the uh, philosophy that markets are efficient. So, yep. uh, so it will, it will turn around. Everyone will manage through whatever is happening to get us to the other side. So, yep. or, or they won't and new companies will be formed. That will uh, absolutely. Take new, that will take that position in the market or that will have mm -hmm. evolved as a result right. of the crisis and found a better solution for that piece of the market. Right. It, and that's the whole point. We don't know. I don't know what right. the I don't know what the knock-on effects of the crisis will be. Nobody does. But the idea is, if you're indexing, you will get exposure to whatever comes out of that situation as a positive. Right. And those companies that aren't doing well are being uh, discharged from those funds. So. That's right. Yep. You're holding a smaller, smaller portion mm -hmm. as they as they trend downward. So, mm -hmm. anyway, that's in the weeds. If you have questions, hit us up in the email. We'd be happy to talk to you. Uh, but yeah, Jared, hit me with the last one. Let's let's hear what we got. Uh, Mr. Adam, I don't want to invest because I don't have enough money to invest. Oh, we, <laughs> talked, about this last, we talked about this last episode. We talk about it all the time. Yep. There's no such thing. The fastest way to guarantee that you never have enough money to invest is to never invest. Um, you got to get started. And, and nowadays, there is absolutely zero excuse based on how available, I mean, you can go from never having invested to having a globally diversified portfolio in 15 minutes from your phone with $10. I mean, there is literally no excuse. 
Yeah. Uh, there are so many resources available and so many investments available, right? With, with the ongoing innovation with ETFs and uh, I mean, DFA there, we talk, we're talking about DFA today. They've been aggressively rolling out ETFs to kind of mirror their traditional index fund positions because there is such a hunger for, you know, no load, no trade costs, no friction costs, um, ETFs. And so, um, yeah, it, it, there truly is such a low barrier to entry now more than ever that that is simply not an excuse. And everything you do, as we always talk about with compound interest, any little bit you do is going to matter. If it's 10 bucks a month, five bucks, a hundred bucks, it's all going to matter. And so the fastest way to get rid of that feeling like you don't have enough is to start. Mm -hmm. The sooner you start, the sooner you will find, wow, I actually do have something to mm -hmm. invest and reinvest. Mm -hmm. Is that all the quotes? That was nine of them. I can give you, uh, I skipped over one because we basically touched on it, which was, uh, I don't know when to get in and when to get out of the market. Oh, yeah. I think anybody that's listened to us knows exactly what we're going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, just start uh, again. Just start. doesn't matter. Start continually at dollar cost average. Well, yeah. but nobody knows. Right. That's right. Nobody knows. So the smartest guys don't know for sure. So. Yep. Doesn't mean there aren't guys that hit it right, but mm -hmm. repeatedly. Mm -hmm. Today is the day to get in. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, hey, so I, I, I just want to say um, be watching the podcast, be watching the space. We're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff as the year rolls on. Uh, we're going to be having some, some really interesting people on the podcast um, that I think are going to uh, be really interesting to listen to and have a lot of valuable information. Uh, we'll be posting some videos as well. So you can kind of get to see the faces that you've been listening <laughs> to. Um, so yeah, a lot of fun stuff coming. And, you know, I, I want to say thank you to everyone that listens. We appreciate you guys. We get a lot of notes from y'all and um, it's always rewarding to hear that mm -hmm. you know, every once in a while we actually say something that makes an impact and <laughs> help somebody. So right. just know that we're available. You can always email us. And if you do enjoy us, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate us, give us a good rating. That helps us out. Uh, but yeah, a lot of good stuff coming. So we're excited to, to finish out the year or continue the year, I should say. Sounds exciting. Very good. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, guys. All right. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye. 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 This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com. If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode. 